I have a question. Are you mowing in the dark? Welcome back to the Mowing in the Dark podcast. I am your host, Aaron Sutter. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Friday episode. Guys, I am so excited to be doing this Faith Friday episode with you guys today. Uh, I wish we could all be sitting here around the table looking at each other in the eye and going over this together, but unfortunately, we can't. So, This is the next best thing I feel, so we are going to get into it. Today, we are jumping into Romans chapter 7. Now, if you're new here, if this is your first time here, I want to welcome you, and I also want to say that, yes, this is a Faith Friday podcast episode on a mowing podcast or a lawn care podcast. And uh, it is not an attempt of me to sound smart or, or to be ultra Christian or anything like that. All right. I just felt led by God to do this episode once a week on this podcast, on the platform that he has given me. So that's what I'm cho- choosing to do. And so I am not a Bible scholar. I'm not a theologian. I just like to read the Word of God. I like to expound on it as much as I can. And hopefully, you guys that are listening and gals get something out of it. So, that is what I do here on the Faith Friday podcast episode. So, the way I do things here is we go through an entire chapter of the Bible. In this case, we're going through chapter 7 of Romans. How I do this to keep the scripture in context as much as possible, I start at verse 1 and I read all the way to the end of the chapter. Then we go back to the beginning and I go through verse by verse and we kind of I kind of try to expound on it a little bit, try to kind of break it down a little bit, and hopefully you all enjoy that and get some encouragement out of that or learn something from it. The Bible is not all about encouragement, guys. It's not. It's for our learning. It's for edification, which is kind of encouragement, but it's also for discipline. Sometimes we need to hear the word of God and find discipline in that. Maybe we're not living quite quite right. Maybe we're doing things wrong in our lives that we need to hear. And the Holy Spirit, yes, can speak to us directly. But in most cases, the Holy Spirit uses the word of God to convict us. And so that is part of reading the word every single day. That's why I do it. That's why many of you probably do it. And, you know, honestly, I've said this before, but I think it needs to be repeated that I'm not a fan of the Bible apps that are out there today that just send you one verse a day. The verse is out of context. It is completely for edification, not for not for rebuking 
or anything like that, which I guess in that case you couldn't because you don't know the person directly. So I guess that's okay, but we need to be in the word and reading more than one verse a day. It is so vital to get the whole word, a whole chapter, at least a day and chew on that and learn from it. And that's what I try to do here is to chew on the word of God and and learn and distill it down and help us to be better people, to live better lives and to go out into the world and use that and affect others. So with that being said, I'm going to jump into this. Now, I just noticed today as I was kind of preparing for this, setting up for this episode, I have a little bit older NIV study Bible that I use daily, but because it's so difficult to be looking down at my Bible and reading the small print that is in that, I've decided to use uh, a website called Bible Gateway and read off of a computer screen, which is fine. That That's not a problem. However, I did notice that Zondervan, who owns the rights, I know it sounds so weird, but Zondervan owns the rights to the NIV Bible. And so they have decided to use uh, maybe non-gendered language or... Uh, They've just screwed with it a little bit, and I'm not really a fan of that, uh, but I'm going to read from that NIV that is on Bible Gateway today, and I'm going to be looking around at different translations to see if there's something a little bit better, because I, I don't like that. Um, if I have to, I'll go back and, you know, go back to reading the from the Bible directly, but it makes it easier to read from a computer screen. So I, I do have a, a uh, what is it, a Christian Standard Bible. It's put out by Holman. So it used to be called the Holman Christian Standard Bible. I, I worked in a Christian bookstore for 10 years. So uh, Holman Christian Bible. And there's a lot of churches that are switching to this. And so I just really quickly glanced at it Uh before I started the podcast, and it says something very similar to what is on my screen here from the NIV. So I don't know, maybe I'll stick with this. I've got to do a little bit more research into it uh, because I don't, yeah, okay, it's fine. You can say men and women, you can say person instead of men or whatever. I get it. We're in a new time. We're in a new era. I, I understand. It's just, yeah, you know, it's screwing with the Bible. And I get it. We already screwed the, with the Bible when we translated it. So I understand. It's just, I guess it's personal preference of mine. So it's neither here nor there, but I am going to be poking around, trying to find a little bit better translation, maybe. Uh, maybe even going to the NT or the NASB, which is supposedly the most accurate translation of the word-for-word translations of the Bible. So, 
We might go to that because the NIV is a thought-for-thought translation. The NASB is a word-for-word translation. So we might do that. Uh, The Holman Christian Standard is also a thought-for-thought translation. So we'll just have to see. I don't know. I don't have a physical NASB Bible here with me. I don't own one, but uh, I may just have to get one. We'll have to see. All right, guys, enough for me rambling. Let's jump into Romans chapter 7. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has authority over someone only as long as that person lives? For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law that binds her to him. So then, if she has sexual relations with another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress if she marries another man. So, my brothers and sisters... You also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once was bound But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law, for I would not have known what coveting really was, if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good, then, become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, In order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death, so that through the commandment sin might become utterly sinful. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, 
but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself in mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. And that ends chapter 7. Okay, so I think I am going to jump back to my NIV Bible. This was this passage was just very different from what my NIV Bible says compared to what this NIV Bible says on the computer screen. And so uh, it was a little disconcerting for me as I was reading it. So uh, as we go back verse by verse, I think I'm going to read directly out of my Bible. Uh, I feel more comfortable with that. All right. So I hope that you don't get too confused and we can jump back and forth between the two if they are helpful, maybe breaking some things down. But I think I'm going to stick with my Bible for for tonight anyway, or today or whenever you're listening to this and, you know, 2025. We'll say, okay, (laughs) I'm just being dumb. All right, let's jump back to verse one. Do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to men who know the law, that the law has authority over a man only as long as he lives? So what Paul is saying here, Paul is the author. If you're if again, if you're new with us here, Paul is the author of this letter to the Romans. Um, He's asking. Uh, for I am speaking to men who know the law. He's speaking to Jews, all right? So the Jewish people know the law, and they know the law inside and out. Uh, That the law has authority over a man only as long as he lives. So he's asking, does the law only have power or authority over a man as long as he's alive. Verse 2, for example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Okay, so this is where it starts to differ a little bit here, this NIV from the one that's on my computer screen. So that's why I wanted to go with this. So Just for example, Paul says, 
By law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. I think we all kind of know that, that once a spouse dies, you are released from that covenant of marriage. You're released from that relationship and you are free to marry another. Okay, we're going to go on and we're going to see why Paul is bringing this up. Verse three. So then if she marries another man while her husband is still alive. So this means that they have either been divorced, which was permissible in in the Bible times. However, there are some caveats to that in the Bible. If you got divorced in in these times that Paul is writing, you were not allowed to marry another until that person died. Because in the eyes of God, you are still married to that person. The only exception is due to infidelity. All right? That's the only exception to the rule. Right, so uh, let me go back. Verse 3. So then, if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. So she, in God's sight, according to the law, which was written by God, she is an adulteress if she marries another man. Okay? But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress. So if her husband dies and she marries another, she's not an adulteress. We just talked about that, okay? Verse 4. So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised... uh, Sorry, my microphone's in the way here to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. This is why I like this NIV better. It just sounds way better, okay? Let's read verse 4 again. Sorry, my microphone got in the way because I'm reading from my actual Bible here. The print is small and, you know, it is what it is, guys. So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ. So, just like the the husband the spouse died in the marriage so we die to sin okay or we died to the law we're dead to the law because Jesus came all right we have accepted Jesus we are we now die to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. So just like a marriage covenant, this is what makes marriage so powerful. It is a picture of our relationship to Jesus. All right? It's it's a picture. It's a foreshadowing of our relationship to Jesus. And that's why it's so cool. Marriage is such a cool institution. It's not, it's not just a piece of paper. You know, I, you, we hear that all the time of people that have been dating for 
10, 20, 30 years living together, whatever, but it's not, it's not just a piece of paper. I know plenty of couples who dated for five, seven, ten years, then got married, and soon thereafter divorced. There is something that is powerful by taking an oath to someone, to saying, I will love you through sickness and health till death do us part. And there's something powerful than that. And some people can't, can't hang on to that. They, it's powerful. They were fine when they were just dating. They had no real commitment to one another. But once you sign that piece of paper, you go through the vows, you make a covenant with God, because that's what you do in a marriage ceremony, because marriage is a biblical institution. It is not a worldly institution. It is not a government institution. It is a biblical institution. It changes the dynamic. There's now three in the relationship instead of two. And sometimes that that relationship, God, for whatever reason, God doesn't want that together. I, I don't know. I can't explain any of that other than to say that's that's what I believe. You can believe something different. That's fine. I'm holding that in an open hand. That can be changed. Things that I hold in my closed hand, clothed, closed hand, are salvation, are our uh, biblical marriage between a man and a woman. Things like that, things that Scripture says are so. Other things like the statement that I just made, I hold that in an open hand. I am willing to change my mind on that. All right, I'm not willing to die on on that. I am willing to die on the institution of marriage, the the salvation of Jesus Christ. I am willing to stand on those principles, those truths and die for them. All right? So that's that's kind of the open and closed hand thing. Let's move on uh, cuz I think I'm getting into the weeds in my own head here. Verse 5. For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies. Uh, let's see here. Sorry, guys. I am really struggling to read the Bible here past the microphone. Um, let's read verse five again. For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies so that we bore fruit for death. So the law, and I don't think he's gotten here yet. Well, maybe he got to it in verse six. If you haven't listened to all of these Faith Friday episodes, I encourage you to go back and listen to all of them because that will give you an even greater context that what 
about what we're talking about right here. All right, so the law made made us aware of sin. That's what the law did. It made us aware of sin. And so verse 5 again, for when we were controlled by the sinful nature, which the law made us aware of, the sinful passions aroused by the law, because we, we didn't know that these were sinful until we had the law, were at work in our bodies so that we bore fruit for death, because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Okay, I believe that's in Romans. I believe we already read that uh, back in the earlier chapters. So go back and listen to those again. Verse 6, but now, I love that but now, all right? But now, by dying to what once bound us, which is the law and sin, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So now we can live by the spirit. We don't have to adhere to the law. We are freed from the law and we now live by Christ Jesus, the spirit or the Holy spirit that lives in us. All right. I think that's amazing. Verse 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. Again, that's what I was saying earlier. We wouldn't know what sin is unless we had the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. So if you remember back to the Ten Commandments, that's one of them. Do not covet. Verse 8. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. For apart from the law, sin is dead. Okay, so apart from law, if we didn't have the law, we cannot be punished for sin. Paul says that earlier in Romans. If we did not have the law, we could not be punished for sin. But because we have the law, we have to be punished. Just like if there's no posted speed limit on a road. If you get pulled over on that road and you can prove that there is no posted speed limit sign on that road, you cannot be convicted of speeding because there is no speed limit on that road. That's what Paul is saying here. If we didn't have the law, you couldn't be convicted of sin because there was no law to convict you. Verse 9. Once I was alive, apart from the law, from law. But when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. So now that we had the law, now we understand what sin is. And sin, as Paul says here, this beautiful word picture, it sprang to life and I died. 
We now know what sin is. Now we died. We're dead. We're dead in our sins because we now know the law. Verse 10. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. So let's say for coveting, I think all of us are guilty of coveting at one time or another, whether we are, we're a little kid or whether we are, we're, we were an adult. We've all coveted something that someone else has. We're convicted of that now. What was intended to bring life, the law, actually brought death. Verse 11, for sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. Wow, this is some, this is some hard stuff to hear, but it brings us to hope that we're dead in our sins. That's what Paul is saying here. The law has made us dead in our sins. Because if we didn't have the law, we wouldn't be dead in our sins because we wouldn't know about sin. Verse 12. So then, the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Because the law is holy, because the commandment is holy, it can have no part of sin. So holiness, by definition, is pure. It's completely 100% pure. No sin can be involved with it. They are diametrically opposed. Verse 13, I believe, is what we are. Yep, verse 13. Did that which is good, then, become death to me? So, did the law become death to me? By no means. But in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it produced death in me through what was good, so that through the commandment, Sin might become utterly sinful. We were sinful. Before the law came, we were sinful. We just couldn't be convicted of it. We didn't know about it. Now the law came. We recognize our sin and it produced death in us because now we know it's sin. Verse 14. We know that the law is supernatural but I am unspiritual. Let me read that again. Verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. So the law is spiritual. It's, it's holy, but I am unspiritual. I'm unholy. I am sold as a slave to sin. I'm a slave to sin. We all know this. Inside our hearts, whether Christian or not, we all know that we are a slave to sin. Verse 15, 
I do not understand what I do. This is where Paul starts to get real tongue twisty and wordy. Okay. I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate, I do verse 16. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Verse 17, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. This is so good. This is like the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. The law helped us to recognize sin. We are sinful. So we believe on Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. And now we have died to sin, but sin still lives in our mortal body. So the things that we don't want to do, we do. And the things that we want to do, we don't do. But Paul says here, and this is so amazingly good. It is good news. It's hard news, but it's good news. That it is not, it is not me who sins any longer. It is sin living in me. We are a new creation. We are a new creation that still has sin living in our body. But when we sin, it is no longer I who sin. It is sin living in me. Paul separates us and Christ separates us from sin. We are still sinful, but we are separated from sin. That is great news. That is the best news. Verse 18. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Again, it's the sinful nature. We have the desire to do good, but we can't carry it out. Verse 19, for what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do is not what I want to do. This I keep on doing. We don't want to do evil. We have a new heart. We have a new mind through Christ Jesus. And yet we still sin. This is a paradox. It is so hard to understand and to grasp because it's supernatural. It is not of this natural world. It is supernatural. It is supernatural that our sinful actions are now separated from me, myself, as a person. It is I, it's me who's doing it, but it is the sep, 
It is the sinful nature that is in me that is doing it. I, I know it's confusing, but it's also so such really good news. Because otherwise we couldn't be saved. There would be no hope. Verse 20. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, this is so good. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Wow. We are, if we believe in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, resurrection, we believe in our hearts, we are now separated from sin. We are, in essence, divorced from sin. We are alive in Christ and we are dead to sin. Our mortal bodies still sin because it is sin that lives in us that is doing it. It's not me any longer. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Oh, that's so good. Oh my gosh. Makes you want to cry and shout at the same time. (laughs) Verse 21. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. You know, I find that all the time. Like if I'm trying to do something good for someone, I, I, in my heart, I want to do a good, a good deed for someone. And at the same time, I'm sitting right there. Is anybody watching me doing good? Is anybody watching me doing this? Oh, I wonder. Ooh, I wonder if someone's seeing me doing this good act. That's sin. That is not good. That is sin. So you're doing good and sin is right there with you. 22. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. Absolutely. Like, I love reading the word of God. It, I can't tell you. Sometimes when I sit down and read this, it reads like no other book that I have ever read, and it just seems supernatural to me. And it just, it feels like it brings life to me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. I do, in my heart, I do. Verse 23, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. We are at war with ourselves. We are at war with sin because we it still dwells in our mortal body. So now we are waging war against sin in our mortal body. Verse 24. What a wretched man I am. Oh my gosh. Isn't that the truth? That's how we feel. It is such a war. What? I'm such a wretch. 
I'm just, uh, I'm a puny little peon of a man. As I find myself sinning, that is the feeling that I get. Because I want to do good. I want to do good. And I cannot seem to get there. Sin always comes crawling back in. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Verse 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That, what Paul is saying there, is that thanks be to God. I have a way through Jesus Christ our Lord. He made a way. He made a way for us. He separated us from sin in our mortal bodies. Sin is still there. It no longer reigns. Oh, this is such good news. I hope you guys are feeling this. It is such good news that if you are a believer and it gives such hope, sometimes as believers, we get in a hopeless spot because we do sin. And sometimes it is horrible. But this is such hope that even though we sin, it is not us who is sinning. It is sin within us. Paul Paul basically says here, we are two distinct things now. We were once one, we were once married to sin. Now we are divorced from sin. We are dead to sin and alive in Christ. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. So we're still there, but now we're separate. We're separated. We're dead. We're dead to sin, alive to Christ. So then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law. We are slaves to God's law. If you go back and read to listen to last week's episode entitled, We're Going to Be Slaves One Way or Another. We can either be a slave to sin or we can be a slave to God. But we will be a slave one way or another. And it's our choice. We can choose. I would much rather be a slave to God's law than a slave to sin. But in the sinful nature, which lives in me, We're separated. I'm dead to it, but it still lives in there. The sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. It is super hard to understand all of this because we are mortal beings. We, it is hard for us to grasp this stuff, but I am telling you 
you, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you believe in your heart that Jesus ra- that God raised Jesus from the dead, and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you are saved. Not will be saved, are saved. And I believe that while sin still lives in your mortal body, God views you as separated or dead to sin. Does that mean that we continue to go on sinning and we don't fight and wage war against sin? Absolutely not. We need to fight tooth and nail to defeat sin in our lives. But we are alive in Christ. Praise God. Guys, I thank you for listening today. Let me close us out with prayer. I hope that this was an amazing blessing for you today. I know it was for me. Um, It seems like we can just struggle so hard against sin, and we should. We are in a war with sin. But this gives such hope, such peace, that even if we do not win the war against sin, God views us as dead to sin and alive in him. That is beautiful. Guys, let me pray for us, and then we're going to get out of here. Father in heaven, I thank you for this amazing gift that you have given us in salvation. The amazing gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who has freed us from sin. Who has made us dead to sin and alive in him. I pray that if there is anyone listening to this podcast that does not know you, has not confessed with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in their heart that you raised him from the dead, that they would do that so that they would be saved and they would be separated from their sin and become alive in you. Lord, I thank you. <clears throat> I thank you for your word. And I thank you that we can sit down and read it. I, pr- I thank you that we have the freedom in this country to do that. And I pray that you would continually give me the strength and the knowledge of what you've given me to continue moving forward with it no matter what anyone else says. I thank you for the oops, I thank thank you for the platform that you've given me to to read your word aloud and to discuss it and talk about it and hopefully impact others through that. I thank you for this time, and I thank you for the people that have been listening to this episode. I pray that you would bless them. Help them to win the war against sin. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
thank you guys for listening. This has been such an honor to do this episode today. And uh, if any of you have decided that you are going to give your life to Jesus, if you've done that while listening to this podcast or outside of this podcast, I, I really hope and pray that you would message me and let me know that you have made that decision. That would be, that would mean the world to me. I'm not going to share that on out in the open or anything like that. It's just something personal for me. I would love to know that way I can be praying for you. I can hold you up in prayer as you struggle mightily with sin because it is a struggle. And I don't believe any of us have won the war against sin as of yet. And I don't think we will win the war until we get called home to Jesus. But we are still called, as Paul says, to wage war. And we need to be prayed through that with others. So I would love to know if you've made a decision for Christ listening to this episode or outside of this episode, you can message me on Facebook at Aaron Sutter. You can uh, message me on Instagram at Lansing Lawn Service, or you can send me an email at lansinglawnservice at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. And that's it, guys. Thanks for listening. I will see you in the next Faith Friday episode.